Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 122. Ryan, today we're going to talk about people. People? What people? Um, I don't know. I brought a list of people to talk about. And today is, so we're, <laughs> we're recording this early, right? Happy President's Day. On, on, on this President's Day, I, I brought you a... Uh, a life-size wax statue of Calvin Coolidge. That is the worst gift ever. Well, and it's melting right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up and I don't know what you're supposed to do with this wax statue. Oh my he was goodness. the minimalist president. Though. <laughs> he was the minimalist president. That's what uh, the New Yorker said, at least. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're recording this actually uh, a few weeks early because we are headed over to Australia. So by the time this episode comes out on March 6th, I think Ryan, you and I will be in the air as this episode airs. Nice. Which is appropriate. Yes. We're going to be all over the place in Australia and New Zealand, uh, Perth, Brisbane, Sydney, Adelaide, Auckland, Melbourne, and then Melbourne again because that first one sold out. In fact, all of these are really close to selling out at the time we're recording this. A few of them may be sold out by the time this this comes out. So only a few tickets left in Brisbane, Sydney, and Adelaide. Uh, Perth and Auckland, a couple hundred tickets left in both cities. So those will also likely sell out. So grab your tickets over at our website if you're interested in seeing us. That's the end of the tour for a while. We've spent a lot of time on the road the last uh, last, <laughs> yeah. last eight years. <laughs> I was going to say, like every time I feel like we have the end of a tour, I have this like this feeling of like, oh man, that tour's over. We're gonna relax, and then like within like two or three months, then we're planning another tour on the road again. <laughs> yeah, man, it's fun. It, the, the The interesting part about all that is, is yeah, sometimes it's draining and it's crazy, and we overextend ourselves, and we learn a lot of lessons about overextending, and then we sort of the pendulum swings back, and then it swings the other way. <laughs> And I feel like maybe after seven years, it's starting to at least end up somewhere in the middle. I agree, or- man. I, I think that uh, we definitely have been applying all the lessons we've learned to <laughs> each tour we plan. So they've been getting more smooth uh, as, oh, as they go on. Man. But I want to say, too, man, that like our, uh, I guess, for all intents and purposes, our business model is not touring. No. Um, the only reason we went on the Less Is Now tour it was because that was the right thing to do. Like that was the thing that that we could do with our time. Uh, that I felt, and I think you felt, would have been uh, the best way to spend that time. Yeah, I mean, the, the documentary hit uh, Christmas, uh, right around Christmas of 2016, and so shortly after that, it's like, hey, we have this whole new audience that we've been able to reach this year. We had a, a large audience before then, but it opened us up to the masses in a different way, and a different demographic, and younger people, and and just a bunch of different people who who watch Netflix. And I was like, okay, how do we get this? Me- how do we expand on this message a bit? Mm-hmm. And going out on the road and giving talks in front of people and doing live podcasts was a way for us to to get this message in front of people in a sort of visceral way. Yeah. That, like people can get out there and they can read a blog post and, and a tweet rarely changes someone's life, mm-hmm. but you can get in front of a thousand people in a theater in Sydney, close to two thousand people, mm-hmm. and and 
not everyone's going to walk away with like home oh, the sense of profundity but enough people and it's about us mm. being a voice and, and that voice echoing through these other voices these other people would then become the amplifiers of the message in a way that retweeting our message may not you know reach i mean actually it may reach more people but may not reach them it's, it's reaching them broadly as opposed to going deeper and i think a lot of these live events have, have allowed us to do that yeah that said man it's been it's been crazy difficult um trying to go to 50 cities in the last year especially with a crew and doing these big theaters and we we, we worked out a model that worked out better on paper i thought like we'd go out yeah, every couple of weeks for a long weekend and it'd be like we do four nights in a row thursday friday saturday sunday and in four cities that are relatively close to each other but the problem with that is of course schedules get mixed up or whatever and you end up flying between cities and that becomes crazy costly and then dude we, the we, worst is when we have an event it goes till midnight mm-hmm. get back to the hotel you know, I don't get this because I'm so wound up. I don't get to sleep till two or three. If you're lucky, right? Yeah, and then I've got to get up at six to catch an eight a.m. flight. It's like, right? Yeah, that. I, I mean, I can do that one, maybe two nights in a row. Yeah, maybe. But, <laughs> yeah, maybe two nights in a row, but like over and over and over. Yeah, it's it's uh, it gets a little exhausting doing it that yeah, way. Yeah, and you're the by far the most durable half of <laughs> of the minimalist. So you can imagine me. I'm just like in tatters and, and being dragged from from place to place, and and so yeah, we learned another lesson and i i think you know when we did it in 2014 we did the crazy hundred city thing we realized actually there were some good things out of that and there were some things like well we probably shouldn't have a year-long sustained tour where we're literally on the road for an entire year and then the year after or a couple years after that in 2016 when the documentary came out we took a month and did 15 cities and that worked but it was also kind of long a, po- a protracted approach and then last year it's like well let's do the opposite but then being on the road on and off all year also didn't work out and so this australia new zealand new zealand thing it's the the end of the road for this tour of course we're going to do other stuff in the future uh when i have no idea it'll be after a long break and it likely won't be nearly as expansive as before so if you do want to see us, you can come out to, if you're over on, on that side of the world, you come out and see us. And I know many of you are asking, when, when are we coming to your city? I don't know. Um, maybe eventually. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be back to Des Moines. We'll be back to Saskatoon. Hopefully we'll make it to Berlin. Hopefully we'll make it to Paris. Yeah. Winnipeg, we see you. You're out there. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll find you again. Jacksonville, you're somewhere You're somewhere on the list uh, eventually when we have the time and when it makes sense. You know, we're not just going to tour for the sake of touring because, like you said, uh, it's not it's not the primary driver for doing what we do. It's a great vehicle to help get our message out. Yeah. I think it's allowed us to do that. Well, it has to make sense for, for us to go on tour, man, meaning like, uh, you know, not just um, not just financial sense. Like, is that the best way we can get our message out there? Is that is that the way we can reach the most people? How can we, uh, yeah, touch as many lives as possible. And if it makes sense to go to Berlin to do that, uh, then great, we'll do that. Um, but you know, right now we're, we're focusing on that documentary and, uh, uh, yeah, we will definitely more tours to come. So I will tell everyone out there, if you are asking, when are they going to come to my city? You can always go to the minimalists.com forward slash tour. Uh, that will definitely tell you exactly where we're going to be. You can also sign up for our email list there. Uh, where we will send you lots of up, spam, all yeah, kinds of all spam. kinds of spam. Now we'll send you updates on where we're going to be uh, throughout the world, and of course we would never send you spam because yeah, spam is gross. Amen. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, today we are going to talk about people. Ryan, did you like buy a new mattress today? Because all the mattress sales are on President's Day. <laughs> um, cell phones are on sale for President's Day because I think 
when George Washington was like had a founding vision for this country, it was discounted mattresses and cell phones and cars and luxury goods. Oh man. You know, it's funny because, like, saying all that stuff, it's actually a very American thing. (laughs) I'm not saying that's a good thing. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, uh, American can be used to to talk about, like, um, innovation, uh, work ethic, Mm -hmm. and and a lot of positives. And then also we can use it pejoratively to say, you know... um, uh, overconsumption, overindulgence, superabundance, and it's all about it's all about that perception. And I think sometimes you can't have the hills without the valleys, too, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think today when we're talking about people, we're really going to talk about how can you be a minimalist, or how can you uh, apply simplicity, or simple living, or decluttering, or simplifying to your life, and still put the important people in your life first, right? And, and so we have some questions that we want to uh, we want to dive into today um, from, from our audience. Our first question is from Danny in Lubbock, Texas. How do you deal with a roommate situation? Um, I've heard y'all talk a lot about um, living with a partner um, and fi- figuring out how to work with um, you being a minimalist, but your partner not so much. Um, I, due to financial reasons, am probably going to be living with a roommate here in the next couple of months, and I know that she is not um, a minimalist or even close. I mean, she's not a hoarder, but um, you all know what I mean. Anyway, so um, my question is, how do I deal with the common areas, such as the living room and the kitchen and the countertops on the kitchen and the dining room and stuff like that? Um, How am I to go about decluttering that without stepping on anyone's toes or um, doing something that would um, typically offend someone, if you know what I mean. Um, and I know that my room is my room, my bathroom is my bathroom. Those those areas are, are easy to handle. But once again, it's, it's all about the common areas. How do I deal with um, how do I deal with that? All right. So I, I think I think she uh, Danny, you have a a good firm grasp on what you do have control over those are sort of the first questions i ask like what do you have control over what Mm -hmm. can you control and it's your own areas obviously and the good news is you have your own bathroom that's awesome ryan when you and i and colin we we were starting this business called asymmetrical press Mm -hmm. back in 2012 2013 the three of us moved in together for seven months we knew it was a seven seven month experiment and i didn't have my own bathroom no you and colin shared one yes we did. i kind of had my own bathroom you had a um for lack of a better term a shithole (laughs) i mean i think it was literally a poop hole no, there was a toilet down there. Was it? it? What was well, what was funny about that? I mean, you called that a toilet? It worked okay. Um, there was a shower down there. That was like the that was the thing I had to like um, be careful with because the drain was it was really clogged, but not clogged enough to where like the water wouldn't drain. So I would have to like basically you know take a shower for like three to four minutes. The water would start to fill up, and then I turn the water off. <laughs> Let it drain a little bit. <laughs> Turn it back on and rinse off. Anyway, yeah, that was that was a fun experiment, man. But it, but it was yours. It was. And, and Colin and I went. So so getting into the situation. So you've identified a roommate, and uh, the the first thing that I'll tell you, Danny, is I, I know it feels like you know considering the financial constraints that you have right now. And I'm going to make sure my phone's on airplane mode, Ryan. Oh, good call, dude. I'm going to um, do that too. <clears throat> considering the financial constraints that you have, Danny. 
you know what? Maybe you feel like you have to have a roommate, but let me just say this. You don't have to have a roommate. It may make the most sense in your situation. And so what you're saying is you think you've probably found an ideal roommate and that person isn't a hoarder and, and you're grateful for that. And that person may even be living intentionally. And it's just that their desires, their preferences on a living space may be different from yours. But guess what? No matter who you live with, their preferences are probably going to be different from yours. Even when I live with Colin and Ryan, who the three of us were, were pretty aggressive minimalists, especially them. I mean, we owned very few things because we knew it was like, hey, this is a, a workspace. We're going to be working our butts off and we're going to exercise and, and work. And that's pretty much all we're going to do. Make sure we have you know hygiene covered and and use the bathroom and sleep and and uh, it was very functional for us and so it sounds to me like like Danny wants a, a living space that is going to be functional for her but also one that doesn't stress her out right yeah, absolutely and so how do you prevent yourself from being stressed out well one is you have to have the right expectations knowing knowing going into this like hey my roommate is going to be different from me and so knowing that he or she will be different from you. You're asking the right questions. How do I not offend this person? How do I not step on their toes? The only problem with that question is you're asking me and Ryan as opposed to asking your new roommate. And I think one of the first things to do is sit down with the person and do a little bit of standard setting, a little bit of expectation setting, try to remove your own expectations, but understand what their expectations are. And then how can you meet their expectations? Because they're going to feel more compelled to be considerate, to be conscientious, to be congenial to your needs if if you're respectful of of their needs dude absolutely man i'm trying to think like what like if i was in uh danny's position what would i do um i would go out of my way to do as much as i could for my roommate Mm. uh like showing support and 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 doing things that that makes the roommate feel respected. Like what? So, so let's get so let's get try to try to get more granular yeah, here. Yeah, definitely. Like, what specific? I know for me, like when I first went in there, I would actually ask those questions. Like, mm-hmm. how how can I avoid stepping on your toes? Like, I want to be considerate. This is our shared living space. How can I be considerate of that space? I'd go in asking those types of questions. Yeah. So things like, uh, well, she wants her roommate to keep the place more tidy. So uh-huh. step one is, um, Danny. Uh, D- Danny's got to do a really good job of keeping her things tidy. Yeah. Uh, Cause that is respecting the roommate and maybe even say, Hey roommate, let's say in this hypothetical situation, the, the, the roommate's name is Tina. Mm-hmm. Say, Hey Tina, how do I, how, how can I make sure that I'm keeping up my end of the bargain? How can I make sure that this place is as tidy as you want it to mm-hmm. be? And, and realizing that's a priority for you. And the way you can express that quite often is, is by making sure that you're communicating that to someone else and saying, mm-hmm. Hey, I'm trying to make sure that I understand what your priorities are so I can meet those priorities first. Yeah. And I'm, usually what's going to happen is they're going to come back and say, Oh yeah, yeah. They'll answer your question and say, and then how can I also be respectful to you? Yeah. Another way to is uh, not not keeping track of things like who took out the trash last, uh, who who vacuumed last, um, you know things like that. I think that you certainly don't want to be in a one way street. Like I've been in I've been in a roommate situation where it was a one way street, yeah. And after trying multiple times to correct uh, the, the the relationship and, and trying to make it a good living environment, it got to a point where I had to have an exit plan and that's okay. Because you felt used, right? A- absolutely. So I'm not I'm not telling uh, Danny or anyone else to just go out there and, and, and be, you know, be used. 
Um, but what I am saying is, is, is be useful mm-hmm. and, and, and go out of your way to add value to the household. No, uh, and a good way to do that is without keeping count. Like, yeah, you don't want a ledger of yeah, the relationship. Yeah, I'm trying, I'm trying to like, I'm really trying to drive this point home, man, because you, my best relationships, the reason why they are awesome relationships, uh, like you and I, I can't sit here and think about, oh, Josh, you, you remember the one time you pissed me off a week ago and you know you did this or that? It's like yeah. uh, you and I, um, we certainly have disagreements. We certainly uh, uh, will go back and forth, but we do not hold account. Um, I am not uh, uh, you know, beholden to um, uh, when I take action with anything with the minimalists. Uh, I am not asking myself, well, what has Josh done? What has Sean done? What has Jessica done? What? It is It is not, again, it's not holding count. I'm really trying to drive this point home because it's hard to do that, man. It's hard. I know it was hard for me when I had a roommate and I had to take the trash out two or three times in a row. I felt used. Right. Uh, when I was the only one vacuuming, I felt used. And, and again, I did get to that point where I was being used, but I've also been in other situations where going out of my way to not keep track, to uh, go out of my way to add value to the, to the situation, um, my roommate has reciprocated, yeah, you, and you, that happens the majority of the time. I would I would say I think so because what's happened if if you're both respecting each other, you're giving what you can give and you're taking what you need, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe another thing to do here instead of asking, well, how do I make sure that the common areas are up to my own standards or whatever? How do we? Maybe the better question is, how can I help this relationship flourish? Mm -hmm. And we start asking different questions, better questions. We're going to get better solutions right now. If the problem is simply, well, it's not tidy enough for me, then then consider finding a different roommate. And and if if that's the real problem, but I I think the problems are often deeper than that. And the tidiness is a symptom of something else, right? Now, here's the thing, Ryan. You and I both have roommates now. We just have they happen to be our partners, right? right? And 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 I have a four year old roommate who is. (laughs) I mean, she, she, uh, you know, if if it were up to me, my standards are much different than the four-year-olds, right? Right. I spent two hours the other day getting her to clean her room because I wouldn't help her, right? Mm. Um, I'll, I'll help give her direction, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to do things for her that she can do on her own. And so, and so we were supposed to go out swimming that day and she got far less time to go swimming because she was throwing a fit about making her bed and cleaning up her stuffed animals and, and putting her books back on the bookshelf right and and that meant less time for her and i i had to sit there and it was less time for me to enjoy and it wasn't it it wasn't me being punitive but what i realized is yes there there are when we live with other people we have to accept the fact that it's not going to be just my standards that are met. It's an amalgamation of everyone else's standards in the house. And if I'm doing my best, if I'm helping the relationship flourish, then what's happening is by leading by example, I'm raising the standards of the household. And here's the cool thing about that. When other people, especially adults in the household, when I've helped raise the standard of the household, their standards are raised, and then they raise the standards even farther, which helps raise my own individual standards. Now, Ryan, you use this term, uh, exit plan, having an exit plan when yeah. when you had a, a a bad roommate, and I know the person you're talking about, uh, and it's not that he was a bad person; it just wasn't an ideal situation for you, right? right? And you did feel used after a while, and so I think going into the relationship, instead of having to wait to have an exit plan, maybe one of the things that you have now is an off ramp. You plan an off ramp, and I don't know how long the term of your lease is, but that off ramp could be a month from now, it could be six months from now, it could be a year from now. That you know the situation's temporary. 
country. And then maybe you can't get off immediately. Just like if you're on the highway, you can't immediately swerve off the highway without crashing. But you know your next exit is coming up and you can take that next exit, Danny. So for you, it may be six months away. When, when Ryan, when you and I and Colin all moved together, we knew there was a seventh, seven month off ramp mm-hmm. and, and we were going to get off a, off of that or we could have continued to stay on that road it wasn't ideal for all of us because we were going in different directions but but it made sense for us to have that seven month off ramp so if something did go wrong during the process like all right well we know this is temporary because on a long enough timeline everything is temporary it helps our sanity though to know that we have a way out even if it's not an immediate way out absolutely danny the one thing the last thing i want to add is when you have conversations with your roommate and you're asking them to help, uh, it is very important that when you use the word you, so when you're talking to your roommate and you're using the word you, you are saying nothing but compliments. You're a great roommate. You have done a really good job with X, Y, and Z. I really appreciate you. And then anytime you want to say something negative, that is when uh, you will use the word I. You know what? I have a different lifestyle than you. I understand that. I'm a bit more OCD than you. I'm so sorry about that. I have the problem, not you. And if you would be willing, if you, such a nice person, would be willing to help me with my problem, I would really appreciate that. That is uh, such a, a different approach rather than saying you're messy, you're getting on my nerves. Um, that is not how you're going to uh, win over your roommate. Totally agree. And so these are my values. I understand if they're not your values. I'm not trying to impose a particular lifestyle on you. I'm not trying to force you into anything. If you have questions, I'm happy to answer them. I'm happy to be really open about it. And by the way, I accept you for whoever you are, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not going to say warts and all, but uh, to, to that person out loud, but legitimately we have to get to that, that place of not just tolerating the other person's stuff, but if you're going to be living with them for a while, you better be willing to accept it. And if you do need to Ask them to make some sort of change. I almost fell out of my chair, Ryan. I don't know why you almost fell out of that chair. I wrote a short story (laughs) once upon a time called Falling While Sitting Down. It was about my mother, but um, uh, I think I just fell while sitting down. It's... uh, uh, it's in my novel. Um, so if any of you want to read that, uh, it's read, a good one. read about the experience I just had right now falling out of my chair while sitting down. Anyway, I, I think that you need to be willing to accept that person and not trying not trying to change the person, but, but understand who they are as an individual. Get past just tolerating their stuff because tolerance is a weak virtue. It's a great first step to understanding a person, but ultimately we need to get to that place of, of acceptance and then respect and, and, and appreciating that person for who they are and so let them know hey i totally accept and and understand and i can even appreciate that you have different needs for me and and different desires and you know when ryan and i live together he he has a bike i don't need a bike in my house right because i don't i don't go biking but ryan likes to go by he had a long board like i'm not going to criticize why do you have all that stuff in in the garage Ryan? you have a bike and a long board no i i respect and appreciate that i I think it's great that you have hobbies like that and that add value to your life so also realize that the things that add value to their life, just because they don't add value to yours doesn't mean that someone else doesn't truly get value from that. And, and so you have to be able, be able to willing, you have to be willing to appreciate that. Uh, last thing that, that I'll mention is a book called Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud. And, and I think one thing that's important when you're first setting up the living space with that person, set up some boundaries, literal boundaries. We've already talked about your own personal space, but but sort of figurative boundaries in your own relationship as well. And so I would encourage you to check that out. And the other, the, the last thing that I'll recommend here for Danny is think about those common areas that you have 
think about those as sort of public spaces or semi-public spaces. When you go to a public park, it's not always pristine. Maybe someone drops a wrapper on the ground, but what do you do? You either ignore it or you pick it up, right? You pick it up and you have to sometimes clean up after other people, even people you don't know. And for you, this is a semi-public space and you have to go into that semi-public space and, 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 and treat it like you're trying to raise the standard of that space, but also realize that public space is never going to be completely yours. You don't own that public park or that basketball court or that tennis court or whatever it may be, but you're still responsible if you're using it, you're responsible for at least partially uh, for taking care of it. Uh, Ryan, I'd love to send her a copy of our book, uh, Everything That Remains. So uh, we were talking about me and you and, and, and Colin, we moved into this house together. We called it the asymmetrical house, the ASIM house for short. And there's a chapter toward the end of Everything That Remains that talks about that experience of, of living together and bringing Colin into our life and, and that transition period. We were moving to a new place as well. So, Sean, if you could reach out to her and, and give her the audiobook version of that. If you like this podcast, you'll probably like the audiobook version of Everything That Remains. Or if you're more interested in the physical book or the ebook, we're happy to send those to you as well, Danny. Our next question is from Preston in Raleigh, North Carolina. The question is for Ryan. Ryan, you stated that you are dating Mariah, who is not a minimalist. And I was just wondering what that relationship is like, because as I look for a partner, I am looking for someone with similar interests and philosophies and things like that. And I think minimalism is important. So I'm just wondering if you can give some insight into what it's like to be with someone who is not a minimalist. Man. What is mine and Mariah's relationship like? You know, it's funny. I think about how that relationship come to fruition, came to fruition. And I mean, even before I dated her, like I had to work on me. Mm. Like I had to work on, uh, I had to feel, I had to feel like my, my actions were aligning with my long-term values and beliefs. Um, when I don't do that, which is how I have lived the majority of my life, unfortunately, yeah. Um, especially in relationships when I do that, it, it creates a really bad relationship. And uh, before I even really started looking at having another serious partner when we moved to Montana, I really had to be clear on how I was going to live my life. Yeah. And I think I think if, if we're not clear, then it also attracts other people who aren't clear. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, that's a great point. And I, I think that, you know, with me, I, I found Bex when I, when I stopped looking for someone else, right? But I, I'm glad you just said what you said because it was after I'd worked on myself for a while to make sure that I was becoming a better version of myself. I was becoming the person who I aspired to be. And that's not a perfect person. It's not even always an ideal person, but it's the best version of myself given the resources. And one of those resources is like the time that I had yeah. up until that point, right? So you're constantly improving, you're constantly growing. And I think that starts to attract people who are constantly improving, constantly yeah. growing. And people who are, who are practical about, hey, I'm not looking for the perfect person. I'm looking for a more ideal partner in my life. Absolutely. I think, too, the confidence factors is what really made a difference for me. So when I am, when my actions aren't aligning with my, with my values and beliefs, when I am, uh, that will make me feel um, unsure of myself. That will make me f uh, not feel confident. Right. And um, when I am in a relationship and I'm not confident, when that person in the relationship, like you said, who I've probably attracted, who also is going through a, a similar type of of uh, uh, conflict, I guess. Yeah, self-doubt, internal conflict, yeah. external conflicts, and then, and drama. Then, right, and I, every single partner I've ever had, they've, they're always going to say, 
um, hey, you know, because uh, 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 any relationship, hey, I wish that you would do X more or, um, hey, I noticed the other day you did Y and I would appreciate it if you, if you didn't do that. Like, I think th- these are things that will always happen. In fact, I think they should happen in relationships. Like those conversations uh, should, should uh, happen. The problem is that when my partner would bring something like that up with me and I'm not confident, I really can't tell whether or not they are correct. Does that make sense, man? Yeah. Like, yeah. well, I, it seems to me the, the distinction I'm making in my head right now is you're talking about sometimes people try to change the the people in their lives. Mm-hmm. Other times we can try to help people change their habits. And I think there's a, a considerable difference Absolutely. between let me change who you are as a person. Um, you know, if, if I were to like, if I were to go to you and Ryan say, I really wish you were more of an introvert, Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's that's who you are as a person. You, you are, you're an extrovert. You, that's part of your your personality. Yeah. Uh, if I'm trying to change you as a person, that's not changing the behavior. Uh, now, here's the thing. I also can't change your behaviors really well. All I can do is help you change the things that you actually want to change. Yeah, I can I can think of an actual example. The So um, the, uh, the girlfriend I had uh, before Mariah, uh, when I was living in Ohio, mm-hmm. um, it got to a point where she was like, hey, I saw that on Twitter you were uh, uh, flirting with uh, Josh's girlfriend. It was your partner at the time. Uh-huh. And uh, that's inappropriate. Oh, and, and if you continue to, uh, it's either you, know, either you tone down your Twitter usage mm-hmm. uh, or uh, uh, you and I are, are through. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> an insecure Ryan, he looks at that. And he's like, man, maybe she's right. Maybe I am being too flirty. Maybe, maybe I'm not being a, a good person right now. But, but a confident Ryan can look in the mirror and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I have gone way out of my way to be as authentic of a person as possible. And that tweet is authentic. It is not me hitting on Josh's girlfriend. That is not anything <laughs> <laughs> other than... Uh, uh, you know, me and her bantering back and forth on Twitter. Yeah. Publicly, by the way. Right. Um, <laughs> and the fact that you weren't offended by it tells me a lot too. Right. And the fact that I'm participating in right. it. I mean, it, so, it, it's a nature, it's the nature of friendship. And it seems to me that that's what she didn't understand is yeah. you could be friends with someone without having, without flirting with them. So I, I guess, um, what I'm trying to, to really, you know, just help Preston understand is that before, you know, you go out and find a partner, be, make sure that you're good with yourself. Make sure that you feel really, really good with how you've been living your life. Um, it's too often, Josh, that I would think that, um, having a girlfriend would solve my problems. Like, Mm. uh, except it would really compound them in many respects. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times, like I was, um, you know, single, lonely, um, uh, not feeling uh, the best and just thinking, man, if I could just have a girlfriend and then I find a girlfriend and then yes, it just makes, uh, it, I mean, temporarily makes it better, right? Yeah, yeah, t- the temporary pain relief, which actually yeah. can make something worse. If you if you numb the pain, mm. that pain often helps us grow uh, and helps us get out of the situation that we're in. But if we temporarily numb the pain, then we don't feel the need to make a, cha- a real change in our lives. Right, absolutely. So, so after I was, you know, uh, felt felt confident enough and sure enough that I could go out and and start dating, and you know, I didn't, I wasn't really sure that I wanted to be monogamous. I just wanted to uh, go out and, and and date and see kind of where it took me. 
and uh, I got on OkCupid per Colin's request or right. a recommendation, I should say. He didn't request that I get on. <laughs> Ryan, get on OkCupid immediately. <laughs> get out of that terrible shower. <laughs> get on, get on OkCupid. No, he he recommended OkCupid because uh, he's he uh, a long time ago he did a uh, kind of a study on all the different dating sites. And I will say that um, I had a lot of good dates, man. There, there's an algorithm on OKCupid. I don't know how it is. This is like, Mariah and I have been together going on five years now. So the algorithm may have changed over the last five years. Right. But when, uh, you know, five years ago when I was using it, the algorithm was great. Like when I could find like an 85% match or above, I felt like I had a a, a decent time. At, at least at the very, at the very least, it was, it was a very decent time. It was mm-hmm. a good time. Um, but with Mariah... Uh, God love her, man. She got an OK Cupid, and I was the first person she she reached out to. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you have no idea, like how lucky you are to not have to have gone on f- like 50 dates to like find one right. person. <laughs> Mariah, you have no no idea how lucky you are to date me. Yeah, right. Yeah, that too. No. <laughs> you know what though? I would say though, man, that her approach to dating was way more. Um, tempered, sophisticated. Yeah, a better approach. Yeah. It was a better approach than what I was doing, obviously. Right, it was more precise. Uh, yeah. uh, and uh, she waited to reach out. And, and he, So here's the other, the other I mean, part. I mean, maybe she that. got lucky, but I, I think she, she had a good approach. I think you both it. got lucky. Yeah, that's a nice mm-hmm. thing. I mean, the, the, luck is always going to be a factor in all of this, yeah. but you know, if, even if luck's half of the, the equation, you're responsible for the other half of the equation, right? right? Because if you get really lucky and you're not prepared for that luck, if you're not if you're not the person you want to be now here, here's the other side of that you also don't want to wait until everything's perfect in order to find a, a partner because it's never going to be all the way perfect you're never going to be the perfect version of yourself you're going to be the best person considering whatever the circumstances are maybe you're not the most ideal yet and so maybe it's going to take some time or, or whatever to get there but you'll continue to grow and 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 you know what? Sometimes a partner can get in the way of that growth mm. if they don't align with who you are as an individual, or sometimes they can help that growth. I think of me and, and Bex, I think in, in, in many ways. So it's different from Ryan's situation because Bex, I would consider her a minimalist. And in fact, in many respects, she's more minimalist than I am. And so she <laughs> starts questioning my consumption about of certain things as well. And she's certainly much more of an environmentalist than I am. Mm. I'm concerned about the environment. I'm concerned about consumption. I'm concerned about over consumption i'm concerned about waste but nowhere near to the extent that bex is right and so it make in fact we were just uh, me and you and 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 podcast sean and and mariah and ella and bex of course were at the aquarium yesterday we went over to the long beach aquarium and they had all all the things about like if you if you don't turn the water off when you're brushing your teeth uh here's how much water it takes when when you're trying to brush your teeth if you leave it on for twice a day it's you know like six gallons of water you're wasting a day or something crazy yeah bex is constantly like turn the water off turn the water off Mm -hmm. so so she helps make me a better version of myself without here's the important part without judging me ever yeah and without being passive aggressive right that's going to kill a relationship judgment is going to kill a relationship but if we're trying to help the other person become the better version of themselves because Mm. They want to be a better version of themselves, not because I'm trying to shape them into a better version uh, of what I think they would be. No, it's understanding that 
okay, if I understand what a better version of Bex is, because she's done a good job communicating that to me, you know, whether it's the, the financial side of things and, and or the career side of things, I can help her out with that, but only when I know she wants that help and not forcing someone into help. There's a, I was listening to a conversation recently. I think it was uh, Yoan Hari was talking about this. He, he wrote a book called Lost Connections. And uh, he, he was talking about don't help the people. Uh, if you work in a, a nursing home or an old person's home, retirement community, uh, any of those places, um, one of the, the sort of cardinal rules is you don't go help someone who doesn't need help. You don't want to do something for someone when they don't need that help because you're infantilizing them in a way. Yeah, dude, even if they need the help and they don't ask for it, that's kind of risky too sometimes. Totally agree. And so you have to understand, and, and I think understanding the person you live with, over time you'll understand even they don't, if they're not asking explicitly for it, sometimes they're implicitly asking for help. Uh, and, and we have to be able to decipher that and, mm. and do so through effective communication. And so, I mean, ultimately, there's, there's a cliche about you know, communication being key, but communicate, lack of communication is what ruins relationships. Dude, cliches are a cliche for a reason. When I, Mariah reached out to me and she sent me an email, hey, my name's Mariah, I wanna, I'm thinking about dating you. She had no profile picture, there was nothing. Yeah. Um, she was like, if you're interested, let me know. And I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, I'm totally willing to go on a date. We got a good match. Uh, had no idea what she looked like, but I'm like, fine, no worries. She sends me a picture. Thank God she was hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I, and then I, you know, I sent her a video um, that we had recorded from our 2005. Oh, that was like 2013, I think. The uh, Seattle. Uh, yeah. talk that we had yeah, video. It, it was the end of, of 2012, but yeah. 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 So, so I sent her that talk, which was like, that's an hour and 45 minute long video, man. Yeah. She watched the whole thing. She got to know who you were really she quickly. She really got to know who I was. I communicated very clearly who I was and how I lived my life. Yeah. And then when we started dating, uh, I did exactly what you said, man. I held back any judgment of Mariah. Mm. It was, it was, uh, her and I just going on dates, having some tea, Look into each other's eyes, getting lost. No, I, uh, I, I slowly but surely started to really, really um, just love the person that Mariah was. Mm. She is just absolutely perfect for me. And when I, when I, uh, uh, you know, saw her house for the first time in her room, yeah, dude, a lot of shoes, uh, maybe more clothes in the closet than I would have. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes. She was, uh, it was not overflowing and I did not feel like it was a order. It was a situation I could look at and say, you know what? She's not a minimalist. Uh, I certainly, certainly wouldn't have, you know, this many pairs of shoes, but, uh, this is not something that I could not live with. It's something I can understand. Yeah. It's it's something I can understand. It's something that I can, I can, uh, respect and, and not just that, but appreciate, um, the, the, the differences that her and I have. In fact, you know, her, I, th- I think she probably she probably would call herself a minimalist now. Um, she kind of I think she's scared to call herself a minimalist. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a stark term. I, I totally get. Yeah, it. it really is. But but um but but regardless though, man, whether she calls herself a minimalist or not, she has gone way out of her way to support me. And dude, it's funny. Um, you were talking about Bex being more of an environmentalist. Yeah, like if Mariah. She is always reminding, like, just small things, like, uh, we're going to go get coffee. And she's like, oh, let's not forget our thermoses. Yeah. Or, um, you know, we got a, uh, like, that clear shower curtain. 
Yeah. And oh my god, this thing is dirty. We're gonna have to like replace this every every three months. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> She's like, we are not gonna waste that much plastic every three months. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. That's really really stupid. Yeah. Um, but but I guess what I'm trying to say here is is that it's it's completely possible. So f- from the other side of it, from Raya's side of it, it's completely possible to not be a minimalist, but still support someone who is. Right. And and I think Danny, like that's that's uh, Preston. Oh, I'm sorry, Preston. <laughs> Danny was the last one. Yeah, uh, Preston. What I'm saying uh, is is that it is completely possible for you to find someone who isn't a minimalist to have a great relationship, uh, but you know, make sure that you are acting in alignment with your values and beliefs that you feel good about yourself first before you even start to bring someone else into your life. But, but uh, you know, the old the old what's I guess it's not an old apathem because you and I I think you and I maybe invented this apathem <laughs> <laughs> the new apathem the new apathem I would I would I would just encourage Preston to uh, raise his standards mm-hmm. and, and lower his expectations mm-hmm. and what I mean by that is is like be yourself let people know who you are do not develop relationships with people who uh, who who are clearly uh, out of alignment with your values and beliefs um if you find someone who is in alignment with your values and beliefs, put everything you can into that relationship, but do not have any expectations on what you're going to get back because you might put a lot of effort into a relationship and someone might not treat you as well. That's okay. Uh, that's not the end of the world. That's, that's where you can, you can, uh, you know, have an exit plan or an exit ramp <laughs> with that relationship and move on to the next one. Yeah. You don't have to continue enabling an abusive or, or, and. You don't have to continue in, uh, enabling an abusive relationship or just a relationship that takes advantage of you. If you feel like you're being used, then take that as good news that you're a useful person, mm-hmm. and, but also realize that you can cut ties from that. You know, if people are trying to play the victim role or they're being victimizers or, or they're hurt and they're trying to hurt you, you know, they're hurt people, hurt people, right? Right. And, and, and so I think we, we want to steer clear of that. And the best way to steer clear of that is to to know yourself and understand who you are as a person. Because once you understand that, then you'll attract people who who are more like the person that you want to attract. Yeah. And I, I mean, honestly, like, I don't know why Mariah treats me so well. <laughs> I wish I had this magic bullet answer to say, hey, here's what I do to... to uh, to make Mariah feel like uh, she wants to treat me the same way. Um, because I certainly have been in a relationship where I've been just as kind to, to other people and, and have not got it back. So I think luck has a lot to do with Mariah and I's relationship. Sure. Um, but ultimately, Mariah and I are, are giving as much as possible. We are respecting each other as much as possible. We are supporting each other as much as possible. And, uh, and we don't hold account either. That's, that's a huge thing. Yeah. Preston, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Minimalism, Live a Meaningful Life. There's an entire chapter in that book about relationships and, and really the three different types of relationships we bring into our lives, the, the primary, the secondary, and the, uh, the, the peripheral relationships that we have in our lives and really reprioritizing those relationships so that we spend the appropriate amount of time with, with those people and then finding out about the, the people in our lives. What are their values? What are my values? Helping you establish what those values are. So, Sean, if you could reach out to him, give him the audio book or the book book or the ebook version, whatever he wants, I would greatly appreciate it. And before we move on to the lightning round, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about people 
or relationships or anything else, uh, including advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We do indeed. We are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, at The Minimalists. Uh, During the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I both do our best to answer each question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We'll also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our quotes in one place, minimalmaxims.com. All righty. Our first question is from Angela. How do you minimize the people from your life who bring you down a peg whenever they can, especially when they're in your family or in your workplace? Those are the worst people to spend time with, man. Yeah. The, I mean, because the people that drag you down, eventually you do get dragged down. And then guess what else happens? You, you start Misery loves company, man. Yeah. Yeah. So pull up a chair and stay a while, right? Good grief. There's a, a line from, from um, everything that remains is, yeah, uh, uh, misery encourages others to pull up a chair and stay a while. And and that's really it. And you start, once you get miserable, then you start trying to tear other people down as well. And it's a perpetuating cycle and it seems to be never ending, except you can end it. Well, it's crazy. Like when any, when whenever someone tries to tear me down a peg, it's usually what they're implicitly saying is, I have a problem. I don't know how to fix it. You look like you're living a really good life. Right. But the way that you're living doesn't seem like it could fix my problem. Right. So therefore, you're living a terrible life. Yeah. And I'm miserable. And the way that you have fixed your problems aren't going to work to fix my problems. Yeah. And all I can do is look at that and say, okay, sorry that, sorry that you know, my words aren't going to help you or, or my example isn't going to help you. And then I have to walk away. I'm not going to. I'm not going to feed that dialogue much. Yeah, and and that walking away is important. So my pithy answer for Angela is distance creates the room necessary to let go. I think sometimes what happens here is um, it's really hard, especially if you have this primary relationship in your life, a family member in your life. uh, Creating that distance is so important in the the removal of that relationship Mm -hmm. and what does that mean it means not proactively reaching out to 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 them it means supporting them if they absolutely need support but not supporting them when they're just playing the victim role when when they're just looking for attention if they're attention seeking doesn't mean they actually need help i think back to ella uh uh, our four-year-old who she's constantly seeking attention now she's four she doesn't have the prefrontal cortex to understand why you know, I, I'm not going to help her necessarily, but I'm teaching her the lessons of I will give you direction. I will help you if you truly need help, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to carry your book bag for you when you can carry it yourself. And and when she starts to understand that, she she develops the musculature to to make that change. Now, when we're dealing with adults like that, what they're the, what they're going to understand is, oh, this person isn't going to help me if I don't actually need help. You're creating that distance. And so loving them is is important, but that doesn't mean that you have to tolerate 
their misbehaviors, right? Mm-hmm. And so my, my second pithy answer is one that you've heard a million times, but it's so important. And it's, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. And, and maybe another way to think about that is if this person, this, this hypothetical person you're talking about or the specific person Angela is talking about, if they weren't in your life right now, would you go out of your way to bring that person into your life? Here's what I'll tell you. Uh, I, I, I can tell you with Ryan, if you weren't in my life right now, yes, of course I would go out of my way to bring you into my life. We have a great relationship. It's the type of relationship I want. Uh, same with Sean and with Bex. <laughs> I don't know about Harding. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not to say Sean Harding. I'm talking about Sean Mahalik. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sean Harding will screw himself. <laughs> no, oh, that's wait, a great... There, that's, he's right there. That's a really good way to look at it, man. That's I, a really good way to look at it. I, I think that... that and that's even true with family members. So, so maybe here's something else that else that that, that uh, blood doesn't equal family. You know, something like that. Um, when I think about just because you share, you know, some of the same strands of DNA or whatever, I have half brothers and sisters out there whom I have not talked to regularly my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. And it doesn't mean they're bad people. It doesn't mean I'm judging them. It just means that I choose to surround myself with people who, who share similar values to me. They're going to be different beliefs quite often. And I think that's an important thing to, to think about here. Ryan, you and I have different beliefs. Sean, you and I have different beliefs. That's okay. Those are different paths to get, get us to whatever that destination that we're going to is. And that means we have the, the same values to, and, and maybe different paths to get there. Yeah. Uh, my pithy answer is it's possible to show love and support from any distance. So I think we're pretty much saying the same thing, Josh. Um, when I have someone in my life who is constantly bringing me down a peg, I will let them know. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're constantly negative. When you and I talk, it is not an uplifting conversation. In fact, I usually feel bad after we talk. Mm. So I just have to tell you that if we start to have a conversation and I start to feel bad, um, I'm going to have to end that conversation. And it's nothing against you. It's just that I uh, I have a problem uh, with with having a lot of negative conversations in my life. I wish I could be there to to support you more, but but uh, I, I can't sit there and, and listen to a bunch of, uh, of negative things. If you ever need something specifically, yeah, reach out to me. If you have a true emergency. If you have a true emergency or you need something specifically, I would be more than happy to, to help you out. Um, but when the conversation starts to, usually I'll, po- I'll point it out when the conversation starts to get nasty. That's the best time to do it. You yeah. don't, don't want to wait till uh, seven days later where all of a sudden, like, hey, do you remember that conversation we <laughs> had week Tuesday ago? at 2 p.m.? I wrote it down here in my journal. Right. Um, no, you, you want to be able to, because they're in that state right then. I think the opposite is also true, Ryan. We also want to make sure that we're not that person in relationship. Yeah, definitely. I have to catch myself and I'll apologize sometimes. Like uh, I will say like, you know, I've had a, I've had a headache for the last month. Um, and so I'm going to this doctor uh, tomorrow to, to to do some tests. But um, I, I found myself with having this like, you know, the, this physical sensation of, and it's, it tears me down. And I find that like, I'm not the nicest version of myself when I have like a really bad headache. And so like yesterday with, with Bex, when we were, uh, we were like driving over to, to your uh, apartment to pick you up, I had a headache. I said, Hey, look, 
I know I'm not being myself right now. I apologize. I'm not the best version of myself. I'm sorry if I'm complaining at all. I don't mean to complain. I don't mean to vent to you. And uh, I really do appreciate your support. Mm-hmm. Just letting that person know that, hey, like yeah. I'm not in my optimal it's state right now. It's not you, right it's now. me. Yeah, yeah. And it's not you. You're, you're not doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want you to know that if I'm if I'm acting a little bit out of character, um, it's not intentional. It's just I've got something else going on right now. And setting that, that expectation with them lets them know like, oh, okay, like, there's this little temporary period. The problem is when it's prolonged, if, if that person's always acting like that, mm-hmm. uh, you've got this this protracted rage or anger or, or this cascade of emotions all the time, this cascade of drama in our yeah. lives. We, we want to be able to disconnect from that. And I think the way we do that is by, by creating the distance. And, 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 and there's then, nothing wrong with that, man. Like people... Uh, they might feel guilty for doing that. They they might feel like uh, they're abandoning a friend or a family member by creating a little bit of distance. Um, if you are if you are going out of your way to um, I don't make yourself miserable to bring yourself down <laughs> out of guilt. Yeah. Um, that is uh, just think about that. Right. <laughs> think about if that's what you're doing. Think about that. It's it's not it's not the end of the world to create a little bit of, a, a little bit of distance. What I'll say too, man is I've done this before with people and nine times out of 10, man, they, it comes back. Like the relationship will, will be mended. Yeah. Um, I have had people where, yes, I have, I have distanced myself and made it very clear with them. Hey, we're family. I love you. I am, uh, I am happy to support you. You know, everything I just said, I, I, you know, went out of my way to tell them. And then eventually, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll send me a text. Hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Hey, I saw this and uh, thought about you, and and all of a sudden, like the relationship has started to change. And you created that distance, and you didn't have to say, "I am creating this distance no. from you." They, they, it, it it becomes implicit in a way because you know that that if you start stop communicating with someone for a longer period of time, or you you stop going out of your way with them. What happens is they come back around quite often. It doesn't always happen, and maybe the distance be- grows farther, and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you learn a lot about yourself, and you learn a lot about the relationship in general. But but creating that distance doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be some really difficult conversation. It's just simply stepping back and then stepping back again, mm-hmm. and, and and walking away slowly from that relationship in a way that that really fuels you to be a better version of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Lily wants to know, how do you start developing closer relationships with people once you get rid of physical clutter and get over the fear you might have of trying to do just that? Well, I have a short answer for you. It's sort of like this. It's a it's a spinoff of a popular bumper sticker, I think. Uh, this one is, no values, no self. Know your values, know yourself. And so the first no is spelled with N-O, right? If you have no values, you have no self. Like you, you don't have a definitive identity because you, you're, if your values are so fluid, then you can be anything. And by being anything, you are nothing, right? You have no, no sort of identity. But if you know your values, K-N-O-W, know your values, then you know yourself. I mean, and it's sort of the thing you were talking about earlier with Preston's question, right? You're talking about, man, I had to, had to get my own house in order before I started trying to bring anyone else into that house both Mm -hmm. literally and and that's a great way of looking at like an actual house right so if you if you have a house that uh is is unfinished 
Like you're not going to bring a partner in there to live with you. You're going to finish that house first. I, now, I mean, we're obviously talking about a metaphorical house. Sure. Um, but I think that's a great example, man, thinking about it as, as looking at yourself as a house that you're preparing to bring someone in to live with you. Yeah. And once you know those values, once you know what your values are, it is possible for you it's more possible for you to connect so much more deeply with other people. It's not just surface level connection. It's not this facade of, of chemistry and attractiveness and, and shared interests like, Oh yeah. Or, or shared proximity, right? There's something much deeper. And because there's something that is much deeper in common, you're able to, you're able to connect. And that connection is, is a lot longer lasting. Uh, I, I can think of myself, like when I, when I didn't really know what my values were, I think especially back to the corporate days, I was able to connect with anyone, but it was very surface level, right? Because I said yes to anything. And it was because I, I was so fluid, right? I didn't, I had no values, so I had no self. And I was just ping pong from relationship to relationship, friendship to friendship, acquaintance to acquaintance, networking buddy to networking buddy. And it were all these sort of ephemeral relationships that didn't have much meaning to them because it was just there. It's whatever was in front of me. And I think about it now, especially having a four-year-old, and it's like, well, that's how a four-year-old acts. It's like ping-ponging from moment to moment to moment to moment. And, and everything is sort of an emergency. Everything is, is, is urgent. But when everything is urgent, nothing is urgent. That's, that's pithy for you, Sean. Write that one down for the show notes. Um, yeah, also, the, the other thing that I think about here, when Lily's question is, how do you start developing closer relationships with people? Uh, one thing that, that has helped me out a lot is, is people tell you who they are. Mm. Either through their words or through their actions, right? And when people gossip to you, they gossip about you. Amen. And so think about that. If all of a sudden your relationship is predicated on gossip or if you're gossiping to other people, you're not the per- kind of person I want in my life. Now, here's a weird thing. Gossip actually played a really important role for many millennia in tribes, but it's it's no longer as relevant in our everyday lives, right? So if I'm, if I'm going behind your back to say something uh, or if I'm talking about Sean behind his back to you, Here's the thing. I better be willing to say that to Sean as well. And if I'm not willing to say that to Sean, that tells you a lot about me because I'm going to be doing the same thing to you. I'm going to be doing the same thing to her and him and her. Mm -hmm. And and so if someone gossips to you, they're going to gossip about you. That's not the type of person I want to bring in my life. And the same is true with all their other actions. If, If they're behaving a particular way to someone else, they're probably going to behave that way to you. Think about that when you're bringing new people into your life. My short answer is this, Josh. Do the things you love. Make friends along the way. Approaching it in the reverse way can be more difficult. So I think me personally, uh, it's often that I was so worried about bringing relationships in my life, whether it was a romantic partner or whether it was being like the cool kid in high school, that I never actually did anything that I loved. I was so focused on doing what the things that other people loved. For example, um, in high school, I really looked up to uh, actually, even in junior high, I looked up to the skaters. We had a friend who skated. Yeah. So I looked up to him and was like, wow, that's really cool. I want to skate. And I did have a lot of fun skateboarding. Don't get me wrong. But I skateboarded because the cool kids were skateboarding. And that's who I wanted to hang out with. Now, it turns out I actually did like that. Right. But there are so many other uh, times in my life where I've taken that approach and it has not worked. Right. If, if I were to amend, amend that a little bit, I, I would probably say 
do things you find meaningful. And the cool thing is like you actually found a significant amount of meaning with the skateboarding side of things. Not at first. Maybe your reason for getting into it was the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. But then you were able to sort of fashion it into this meaningful experience and this connection. And so... Are you I, rephrasing this because we're taking back the word love? No, I mean, I, I think do, doing something you love here is important, but I think it's it's more important. If you're doing something you find meaningful, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, I, I'm able to separate that from something that's just exciting. Quite often when we say do things you love, mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like, well, yeah, I really love you know, uh, some activity, whatever it may be. Yoga. Yoga, uh, that's, that can be really meaningful. So like, it kind of just depends. Like... It, Sometimes we just do things that are exciting in the moment. I, I, so, so what you're saying is, is don't conflate. Right. Meaning and excitement. Yes. I totally understand that, dude. I totally agree with that. So Maybe uh, that's, cru- a, that, that's another pithy answer. Don't conflate meaning and excitement. Yeah, that's good, man. You know, um, uh, Cruz Spence, the dating coach on the on the uh, mentoring page that we have. Uh, oh, man. What did he say? Um, uh, he said, girls love men who are interesting Mm. and uh it's absolutely true um if you are if you are um doing things that are uh, exciting or maybe they are meaningful whatever it is um people are going to take note of that and also you're going to pick up friends along the way so again um if you want to make more friends i would say just keep being yourself don't make you know, friends, this top priority, focus on doing what, what focus on living your life. And if you can, if you can do that, then it's not only are you going to make friends a lot easier along the way, but the friends that you make in your life are going to be, uh, they're going to be really, really outstanding relationships if you approach it that way. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think, uh, people love people who are interesting. Right. And, and I think, living a meaningful life is one of the most interesting, like truly interesting. Like, oh, I am interested in doing that. Everyone wants to live a meaningful life. Not just fascinated. So we that's another thing we conflate. We conflate being fascinated by something like, oh, wow, he did a great skateboarding trick. That's fascinating. Mm. But I, I may not find it truly interesting. Like, wow, a meaningful life. Like, I am interested in living my the best version of myself. So when you say be yourself, what you're really saying is, be the best version of yourself and people will find that interesting because you are living a meaningful life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that. All right, we should Oh, we got one one more question here, Ryan. Gio is asking, people often mistake Oh man, this is going to be good good for me because I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it too. Yeah. So people often mistake my introverted personality as rude. How do I explain to people that I don't want to talk to them without being rude? This problem has affected me in the workplace and has actually prevented me from moving up or getting raises at work. Mm. And so if you want our answer to that, each week, Ryan and I, we do the Minimalists private podcast. It's exclusively for our Patreon supporters. We keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, so it is 100% listener supported. Each week we record, it, we record a bonus podcast. It's called the Minimalist Private Podcast. It shows up right there in your podcast feed. So uh, you don't have to... Get on the internet, 
You don't have to go to some website. Oh, I forgot what is my passcode to send me an email to give me my passcode and all this other stuff. No, no, no. You just have a link once you're a Patreon supporter. So you just go over to theminimalists.com, click donate at the top. You become a regular supporter. You get access to all of our monthly live streams. It's called Ask the Minimalists Anything. We're also going to do a video tour of this beautiful new studio space that we're in exclusively for our Patreon supporters. We're also putting out a bunch of live events for our Patreon supporters. You get first access to tickets to any new live events we do, plus all the recordings of the live events. Those are Patreon exclusives as well. We just put out the Philadelphia one. The DC one is is coming really soon. Uh, Tampa's out there. Detroit is out there with Colin Wright. So there's, I mean, there are dozens of private podcasts right now. So if you can't get enough of The Minimalist, we're going to answer Gio's question this week, but then we're also going to uh, have a lot of other meaningful creations out there on The Minimalist private podcast. It allows us to sort of put our hair down a little bit because there's only a few thousand people over there that support us. And here's the thing. I realize that some of you can't afford to support this podcast. We want to make it 100% free for you. And that's why it's out there. It's free. It's advertisement free. We're not cluttering this thing with ads. But many of you can afford to support this. And if you can, that makes this a sustainable model that allows us to continue to create meaningful creations for you. You've helped us build this beautiful studio space, and we're really appreciative of that. And uh, it's about 1% of our audience, actually a little less than 1% of our audience that supports this podcast. Mm. And if we can get it higher than that, if we can get 2 or 5% of the audience that supports this podcast, then it really helps our simple living message reach more people. Because the money doesn't go to me and Ryan. It allows us to, to pay a podcast producer. It allows us to add a video component to the podcast as well. So pretty soon we're going to do uh, a video version of the podcast. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, theminimalists.com. Uh, you just click on the YouTube link there at the top or just go to youtube.com slash the minimalist if you want the video version of this podcast, which is coming soon, but it's made possible by you. We we really need your help because we're not going to clutter this thing with advertisements. So if you're willing to support us at any level, if you want to give us you know $100 a month, that's up to you. If you say, you know, I can just afford a dollar or two per episode, that we, we really so appreciate the support either way. You can also contribute one time if you go over to theminimalists.com, you click donate at the top, PayPal or Venmo options are over there as well. But if you become a regular supporter, you get access to all of the uh, the live events, all the live streams, the weekly private podcast where we answer everyone's questions. We call it the the postscript episode. So we basically do this this PS episode, and we're going to answer Geo's question this week about introversion and how do we deal with people as an introvert. Now, Ryan, I, I'm interested in hearing your take because you're the the extreme extrovert of the duo, and <laughs> I could go live on an island by myself for a few years, and and I think I'd be pretty contented at least for a while. Well, I'll tell you what's definitely going to. Uh, uh, make its way into this answer is <laughs> you when you're around people when we're around people you will come across as more extroverted yeah, yeah. more so extroverted that, than you even. yeah exactly isn't that strange it man? Is strange. So we're, we'll definitely talk about that so uh, yeah if you want to join us over there you just become a, a patron a patron a patreon patron say that <laughs> 15 times fast uh yeah and and you'll get access to all the archives as well. We have dozens of past postscript episodes you can check out, live events, past live streams, and a lot more video creations coming mm. for you as well. 
All right. Well, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. This is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. Ryan, what has added value to your life recently? Dude, we were out with the Bergamont. Uh, they have opened up for us at least once. In Grand Rapids. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're a great band. Uh, great band. Husband and wife duo, the Bergamont. Yeah, they got a they got a great song. Um, actually, let's put <laughs> my first recommendation is this great song that they have. Uh, it's called "Forget About Tomorrow." Great single. Uh, we'll put the link to that to that. Actually, it's not a single. It's on their album, which their album is great. Um, but that's like one of my favorite songs on on that album. Uh, but they they uh, were talking about this coffee kit that they had. Yeah, yeah. And um, I remember you were really really excited about it, but it doesn't boil the water. Right. So it's like it does everything, but it boils the water. But dude, I got it because it is. Uh, it, it's about the size of a thermos. Mm-hmm. Um, I can make a ten ounce cup of coffee. Pretty simple. So between that thermos-sized uh, uh, pour-over kit and the boiler or the, the the kettle, the portable kettle that I have, I've been able to save about thirty percent of my room of the room in my coffee kit. Which that doesn't sound like a whole lot. You're like, oh yeah, thirty percent of a coffee kit doesn't sound like like a lot. But uh, when you're a minimalist, and I'm really trying to pack only. Uh, I'm just going to fill the packed bag mm-hmm. and bring that to Australia. I'm not going to do a second little book bag. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm like really challenging myself to, uh, cause I'm going to be gone for five weeks, maybe, maybe even six weeks. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, that little 30% of the room that I just saved <laughs> in my, in my coffee kit, very huge for me. And it works really, really well. Podcast Sean can attest to it. I made him a cup of coffee out of it. Not too bad. Yeah. It's uh what's it called? It's called the Cafalano, and that will be. In, uh, Sean, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes. It is. It. I mean, I think it's a game changer. You're right, dude. If they could somehow incorporate uh, a heating element in there to to heat the water, that would like that would be a perfect product. But it's about. It's near perfect. You have to bring. You have to bring the kettle with you. And I think for me, the reason it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And that's the why. This is like a perfect illustration of the added value section. Mm-hmm. We're not recommending things to other people necessarily. It allows us to talk about things that have added value to our lives. And mm-hmm. the thing that adds value to my life may not add value to yours, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting ready to recommend a book and, and a playlist here, uh, and they may not add value to your life at all. Yeah. And, and that goes that that holds true for our audience. It's like, hey, you may or may not find value. I in bet this. you there's someone listening to this right now who doesn't like coffee. Yes, uh, and then this thing is far less valuable for them exactly. than it would be for even me. So what do you got, man? Uh, well, I was just thinking about the 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 coffee kit that you're talking about there. For me, like I tend to use the the mugs that are already in a hotel room when we're traveling, or if it's an Airbnb. So I don't need the cup that's in there. I don't travel with a a cup generally because I just use the the washable mugs or or you know, whatever's in the hotel. In fact, uh, sometimes I have to go downstairs and get a mug from them. I and and. Yeah, they have little paper cups in the hotel room, and I'll use that in a pinch if necessary. But I actually prefer having coffee in a uh, a, a nice ceramic mug, um, and so um, it just and the pour over like it's about the same size as a traveling V60 pour over, and so it doesn't save me a whole lot of space. But I can see it for you because you're not carrying the extra cups and everything else out. It's going to save you some space for sure. I'm going to recommend a book. Our friend Sean Mahalik, who I was just jokingly talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> 
He's a talented young writer. He's also the editor of, of Paleo Magazine, but he's a novelist. And he's, I think this is his fourth book. And I've really enjoyed all his past work. I'm about a chapter into this new book. And so far, so good. It is the strangest story. It's called The Dissection of Vertebrae. And it's really about a young man who gets married and is trying to find himself sexually, but also in terms of his relationships. And so this episode is about people. And I thought it was a great idea to, to mention a book where it's like, where we're all searching. And I think all the, the commonality between these questions that we had today is someone who is searching for better, more meaningful, more connected relationships in a way that they don't experience it right now. And I think this book is about about exactly that. It's a novel. It's called The, the Dissection of Vertebrae. We'll put a, a link to that in the show notes. And then um, there's a playlist I've been listening to. It's Tom York. Uh, in fact, we were listening to it. Uh, we <laughs> We were driving to the aquarium yesterday, and and uh, you were talking about in your apartment how. Oh yeah, uh, I was. <laughs> so yeah, so there's a uh, noise going on in my apartment. Yeah, and I recorded it to send to uh, the, the 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 maintenance guy of our building, and I was playing it for you and Bex. Yes, and it, to me, it sounded something like something Tom York would listen to yeah. uh, on his no, iPod or something. Verbatim, you said, this sounds like an intro to a Radiohead song. Uh, right. And but, then you put on King of Limbs. <laughs> right. <laughs> but before that, I don't, you may not even realize what was playing in the car because there were seven of us or six of us in the car um, yesterday. I had this Tom York playlist on. Now, these aren't his songs. These are songs that he listens to. And the best way I can describe it, it's like if you're at home and your walls were bleeding music... It would. It's the ambient sound of of home in a way that is so odd, and I can't even do it justice. It's this Tom York playlist. It's on Apple Music, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. But I will listen to it at home now because it adds this ambience. And part some of it's not even music. Sometimes there's five minutes of silence, and it just feels like the walls in your house are talking to you mm. in a way. Not in a way where I feel like I have some sort of mental illness, but in a way where I'm like, oh my goodness, like this feels like the sounds of home. And so uh, check it out. And uh, Ryan, you got anything else? Uh, oh, wait, we should probably move on to, to right here, right now. Yeah, you've already talked about your <laughs> oh my <added> value. <laughs> You're getting caught in a loop. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, recommend something anyway, else. Anyway, man, do you remember we went to dinner the other night with the Bergamot? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, right here, right now, so we're talking about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Uh, if you want the show notes to these episodes, so Ryan and I, we do this podcast every week. If you if you want the show notes to show up right in your email inbox, just head on over to our website, theminimalists.com. At the top, you can enter your email address. So anytime we put out a new podcast episode, all of the show notes, everything we talk about today are in the show notes over at our website, but also we'll show they'll show up right in your, your email inbox. Anytime we write something new as well, so any new essay that comes out will show up in your inbox. No spam ever because that stuff sucks. We already talked about all the ways you can support the podcast. I just want to say thanks real quick to all of our Patreon supporters. You're the reason we can keep do this, doing this in this beautiful space and allowing us to expand out into the video side of things over on YouTube as well. And that's all I got right now. Ryan, you got anything else for us? Yeah, dude, I got all these voicemail comments and tips from our our listeners. Check them out. Hi, my name is Sarah Powell and I am from Boise, Idaho. I was just calling because I saw your guys' um, video on Netflix about a year and a half ago and the next day after that I had my own packing party and packed down my house. Um, I'm also a mom of two small kids 
I just got finished listening to your guys' podcast about being a minimalist with kids. Um, I have found that I do a lot less cleaning since there's a lot less stuff for my kids to make a mess with. Um, I've also found that my kids use their imaginations more and um, actually get the use out of the toys that they do have. Um, as far as, like, gifts and stuff like that, I've asked my family to gift them experiences. So we have, like, a year pass to the zoo, a year pass to our um, one of our local museums here. Um, stuff like that are always great gift ideas. Hi, Joshua and Ryan. My name is Kiana Arujo. I'm from Portland, Oregon. I got tons of value from your critics episode. The ability to laugh at yourself shows tremendous humility and reminded me not to take myself so seriously. I thought it was great ammunition for the critics. As a fairly new follower of The Minimalist, I have been highly aware of how much I have, what needs to go, and what I really need to add value and simplicity to my life. As a person who struggles with anxiety, I've realized that having too much stuff definitely adds stress to my life. I want to thank you for your practical advice and encouragement. Hello, I am Maria and I'm calling from Stockholm, Sweden. Um, I am a huge fan of you guys after watching your documentary on Netflix. Um, after that, both me and my husband is really hooked on minimalism. Uh, we are trying to get our kids that way, but that is a bit harder. Um, but we'll get there. My response is for Stephanie on episode 114, uh, which I loved, by the way. It was so funny. Um, she says that she loves shopping and look for bargains for her family. Um, but as a stressed out and tired mom myself, I kind of responded to her um, question uh, where she said, I have to do everything because I can really relate to that. Um, and as for shopping goes, obviously we have to buy clothes and stuff for our kids and uh, toilet paper and whatever, which is really nice if it's at bargain prices. And I as well look for it, even though I call myself a minimalist. Um, but I think in her case, perhaps it's the fact that maybe she doesn't have to do everything herself. Perhaps uh, her family and her kids and her husband can pitch in and and you guys can all do it together um, because it is really hard to be the one responsible for everything. And believe me, I know I have been there and I crashed and burned and now we actually all have to pitch in so that um, I will not do that again. Um, and also ask uh, friends and your community for help, you know, um, watching kids and just give yourself a break. Um, uh, and take care of yourself because you are really important for your family and I think they um, find it so much more important to have you healthy uh, instead of having like really cheap toilet paper. So I wish you all the best of luck. All right, y'all, that's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.
Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Every little thing that you gotta have. Every little thing that you gotta have. You gotta reach for and you gotta grab. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. So tear your eyes away, or tear your eyes.